Well, good morning, everyone. And um, we want to welcome you to Eden Church today. I uh, am going to bring the message, if you have your Bible with you or your phone and you want to look it up, Galatians chapter 6. Uh, Galatians chapter 6, if you'll find that passage of scripture, I'll direct your attention to it here in just a moment. Uh, Pastor Daniel, I've looked forward uh, to coming to Eden all summer, uh, if for no other reason to get out of the heat of the valley. Uh, I live in Bakersfield, California, and when I left there yesterday, it was 104. And when we went out and got some uh, Mexican food last night, it was delicious, and when I got in my pickup, it was 78. Anytime you want to invite me up in the summer, Daniel, I'll be more than happy to come, all right? But it is a blessing to be here. I appreciate so much Pastor Daniel and Kayla and the whole team here at Eden to see how God has worked among you uh, during these past eight years has truly been a blessing to watch. And we're going to continue to watch if God tarries, if Jesus tarries to see how he will work in a wonderful way among us. So what I want to do this morning is direct your attention to the book of Galatians chapter 6, verse number 9 primarily, uh, to finish up a series of sermons that Pastor Daniel has been preaching over the summer. Is that correct, Daniel? Am I out of... Okay. So you've been looking at the book of Galatians, okay? Uh, so who knows anything about the Galatians? It sounds like something very strange and different from all of us. Well, it was written by the Apostle Paul who wrote half of our New Testament. Think about that. One guy wrote half of our New Testament. He wrote, I forget now, it's either 12 or 13 or 14 letters or epistles, sometimes they're called, uh, to certain churches, to certain individuals, and they were collected and have become a part of our Bible. Um, Galatians might just be the first one. There's some debate about it. No one knows exactly for sure, but it seems like the best evidence is, is that Galatians is the very first letter that the Apostle Paul ever wrote. It was certainly the very first group of people that he went to as a missionary. He went to the people of Galatia, which is a province of Turkey uh, in the mountains of central Turkey. So it just makes sense that he would write his very first letter to the people of Galatia. And what we find in the book of Galatians is a format that will become very familiar with Paul's letters. Uh, almost every one of his letters, particularly to the churches, are twofold. First, there will be spiritual content. We might say theological content or even doctrinal content. And then he will wrap it up with what I would call a practical application. Uh, so there's, there's always look for the spiritual content and then the practical content. Now in that practical content, we would be looking at an action plan. Uh, what steps does he want us to take? And often what he does in that practical section, he just gives them out to you like this, one, two, three, four. And that's exactly what he does in the book of Galatians. And so I want to highlight that, that practical application section from Galatians chapter 6, and then I want to use that as a platform to tell you my story, and particularly, the, let, me, let me rephrase it, I want to tell you God's story as it took place in my life as we step out of one of those verses, all right? So let's look at that practical application that Paul gave us, and often he states it very succinctly, clearly, and uh, almost like a proverb, 
Have you ever read the Proverbs in the Old Testament? Just one sentence, one line of spiritual content that's condensed down to a real clear, practical point. And that's what he does here in the book of Galatians. Let me highlight four of them for you. First of all, in Galatians chapter 6, verse number 2, in the New King James Version of the text that I'm reading, he says, bear one another's burdens. What does it say in the text you usually preach from, Daniel? Share one another's burdens, bear one another's burdens. So he has developed his spiritual content, and now he says, here's what I want you to do. By the way, let me summarize that spiritual content, Galatians 1 through 5, in this way. Paul was addressing the Galatians, and he was encouraging them not to take a false step in their understanding of how God saves us. And basically, it was a contrast between two different systems. He says, there are many who think the way we get right with God is to obey the commandments, is to do good. But he said that has nothing to do with how we are right with God. We are made right with God by what Jesus did on the cross. So now let me see if I can help you see that with an image. Imagine over here on one side is a set of scales, old-fashioned scales, you know what I'm saying? And you're weighing out your good deeds and you're weighing out your bad deeds. Uh, And that's one system that people think is the means by which you're going to get to heaven when you die. They're going to put all my good works here. They're going to put all my bad works here, and whichever tips out the scale is where my eternal destiny will be. Now, here's, there's a couple of problems with that. Number one is, all of us really deep down think the good's going to outweigh the bad, don't we? But you know what the scripture says? It never comes out that way. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So there is this way of thinking that if I do good, if I keep the commandments, Uh, if I do good works, surely God will let me get into heaven. And you know, this is the primary, even even in this community, I think if we went out and we polled 100 people and said, what must you do to go to heaven when you die? The majority of people would say, do the best I can, and my good works will outweigh my bad, and I'll surely get in. That's just kind of a natural way of thinking. But there's a reason why that doesn't work. And it's because of Jesus and the cross. So think about this for a second. If you can, by your own good works and efforts, get into heaven, here's the scale, right? What is the purpose of, I saw a cross up there a while ago, it's gone now, a cross. What's the purpose of the cross? So have those two images in your mind, the scales and the cross, all right? I like to tell people, if you could get to heaven on your own, by your own good works, why in the world did Jesus have to go through what he did? Why did he have to die on the cross? I'll tell you why he did, because he did something for you and for me that we could not do for ourselves, right? The Bible says the wage of sin is death, and the scales will be tipped not in our favor at the end. So Jesus came along and said, I will pay the penalty of debt. So if you just keep those two images in mind, the scales, is it that the way to heaven? Or is it the cross? Well, I'm telling you today, I came by way of the cross. And that's the only way to get there. In fact, Jesus said this is the only way to get there is to come to the cross. So that's what Paul was teaching the Galatians by and large. 
Don't get distracted. It's the cross that gets to heaven. Then he says, now here's your action steps. Number one, bear one another's burdens. It's very practical, isn't it? All of us can take that to heart this morning. Is there somebody you know that's really carrying a heavy load today? Someone that's got a burden? Daniel and Kayla know that uh, my best friend is a man named Roger Spradlin. Uh, Roger and I started Valley Baptist Church uh, almost 40 years ago. This summer, almost 40 years ago. And we have worked together all these many years. In October, Roger was diagnosed with a terminal disease, terminal cancer. Kayla, just two years ago, lost her mama, just like that. Just in a matter of a few months from, say, November till what month did she pass away? Yeah, three months, cancer. All of a sudden, we, we all know somebody that's carrying a heavy burden. If you've been to the cross, let's go help that person bear that burden, right? Because somebody may need to come help you carry that burden someday as well. And did you know, that's the purpose of the church. One of the primary functions of the church is fellowship. That we lift up one another and we help one another. So it's very practical. That's not that hard to understand, is it? You can understand that. Let's bear one another's burden. Look what else he says. Down in verse number seven, he says, whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. How does that read in your text, Daniel? So the, the line that we often hear is you, you reap what you sow, right? So Paul is now telling us you should be faithful in service to him because you will be reaping what you sow. Then look what he says down in verse number nine. That's going to be our text for this morning. But look at that last phrase. In my text, it says, do not lose heart. What's it say in yours, Daniel? Let's not get tired of doing what's good. Let's not lose heart. Okay, these are his practical applications. Bear another one another's burdens. Remember that you reap what you sow. Three, do not lose heart. And then in verse number 10, right in the middle, it says, let us do good to all. How does that read again, Daniel? Do good to everyone. All right, let's think about those four actions, plan steps. So this is the summary of the book of Galatians, okay? This wraps it up, okay? Four action steps you're to take. Bear one another's burdens. Be mindful you reap what you sow. Don't lose heart. And let us do good to all, okay? So those are things we can put in our pocket and carry out of here this morning and think about all week long. If there's not some way, somehow, you can do good to all, that you can bear one another's burdens, and that you do not lose heart. So what I'd like to do is take that third one, let us not lose, lose how do you say it? Uh, let us not grow weary while doing good. Do not lose heart. I'd like to tell you a story, uh, really for the remainder of the sermon, that is my testimony of what God did in my heart, and hopefully... I'm an old man now. You can tell by looking at my hair. I'm 70 years old. Uh, yeah, I know I don't look it, but that's okay. Uh, time goes fast. One of these days, you'll be 72 if the Lord tarries, and you don't have some terrible disease, and you live long enough. It'll be here quicker than you think. Uh, but I want to tell you my story, and hopefully it will encourage you in your story, in following what God's doing in every one of our lives, all right? So, believe it or not, it has a lot to do with San Francisco. Uh, in fact, something happened here in San Francisco uh, 
in, beginning in 1967 that had a profound impact on my life to this very minute. 1967 in San Francisco. Now, I look across the crowd. There may be three of us in here that were alive during that time frame. <laughs> You're all much, much younger than 1967. But that cultural milieu of the 60s and the 70s is still with us. When we went out to eat last night, I pointed to the wall on the wall. I said, see all of that right there, Daniel? I said, all of that's my high school days. They've got it up on the wall. So this is the big, iconic, cultural people's faces like Elvis or whoever. I said, that was when I was going to high school. And then I thought to myself, I wonder if in 50 years, someone will have stuff on the wall from 2023. I don't know. But uh, there was a cultural uh, mountain peak, I think, in American culture in the late 60s and 70s that has lasting and long-lasting results, particularly for myself. And here's what happened. There was an unusual and blessed outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the entire nation. Now, let me see if I can explain this to you. There is a unique work of the Holy Spirit where he... It's called, the scriptures call it an outpouring. The, the, the work and the move of the Holy Spirit is like the pouring rain, the scripture says. In fact, the last time I was here, we were in January, and I told Daniel last night, it was pouring rain when I was here last time, straight down, remember that? And I had to drive home on 152 over to I-5, and that whole way was just like a flood zone, uh, an outpouring that just drenched everything, and thank God that it did. We had such a wonderful rain and snowpack in the mountains that were still blessing the state of California. Well, the scripture says that sometimes God's presence is poured out on us like the drenching rain, and it saturates everything. And when you look at American history, if you look at it spiritually, not politically or militarily or culturally, look at it spiritually, you'll find that God has amazingly poured out his spirit upon our nation about every 50 to 75 years from the time that we began until this very moment. In an unusual outpouring of the Holy Spirit, America was born in the midst of what is the historians call the Great Awakening, which was a spiritual awakening. And then there was the revolution and in America was born July 4th, 1776. Um, that outpouring work of the Holy Spirit is very unique. And it's at work, I think, all the time, though we may not necessarily recognize it. That outpouring can be on an individual uh, where God just drenches you. It could be on a congregation. It could be on a community. It could be on a city. And in the great cases, it can be on a nation all at one time the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We see this work of God even in Scripture in the Old Testament days where there were outpourings of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament age in Acts chapter 2 in the New Testament, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And typical, what, what, what characterizes that outpouring of the Holy Spirit is conversion. People come to Christ. People are awakened to their need for Jesus well, believe it or not, in 1967, right here in San Francisco, there was the beginning of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that spread all over the United States and all over the world. Did you know that? 
right? I mean, we're, in, we're not in San Francisco. We're just down the road. Just almost could throw a rock in it or whichever way it is. I don't know which way is San Francisco. That way? Yeah, I feel like it's that way. I think San Francisco's that way. Uh, and it was something that had a powerful impact upon my life. And I lived nowhere near San Francisco. I lived in probably the most opposite kind of culture and setting than San Francisco was in 1967. That was on a small farm in Southwest Oklahoma. On the little place where I lived, you could draw a circle of 150 miles and there wasn't one big city in that 150 miles section. I don't know if there's any other place in the United States where you can put your finger down and go 150 miles either way and not find some big city. So what I'm trying to say is I grew up in the most rural of rural settings. And you might detect that with my voice. I have a little bit of South in my mouth, all right? It just comes from the territory that I grew up in. But something happened in 1967, strangely enough, right here in San Francisco. And it was a wonderful outpouring of the Holy Spirit that came at the most unbelievable and unexpected way. And that's usually how God does it. In 1967, the youth of America were unsettled. Not unlike they're unsettled right now. And there was a revolution going on. There was the Vietnam War. There was the now famous sexual revolution that was taking place. And there was a, a whole generation of young adults my age that were unsettled and unhappy with the way things were. And something happened in San Francisco that became a catalyst for that movement. Uh, in January of that year, at the Golden State Park up here in San Francisco. Anybody been there? The Golden State Park's beautiful, isn't it? Well, they had, they had an event up there that they call, this is in January of 67, they call it a human be-in. Not a human being, a human be-in. And they gathered all these rock bands like uh, Jefferson Airplane, uh, Jerry Garcia, you don't know any of those, but these were really big back in the day. And all of those bands like that, and they had this huge concert and like 20,000 people showed up. And they said, okay, let's do this again. It was so successful. We'll have another big concert this summer. And that turned out to be the Monterey Pop Festival in 19, the summer of 1967. But what happened was, and remember, this was long before social media, cell phones, any of that kind of business to communicate. It was all word of mouth, all word of mouth. Word was sent out to the youth of America this summer of 1967, come to San Francisco. We're all going to gather at the Golden State Park. Haight-Ashbury, the, the district of Haight-Ashbury got behind this movement and made plans for all kinds of festivals and, and festivities during the summer to draw all of these students, all of these young people to the city of San Francisco. And guess what? They came. In fact, there was an uh, anthem that was written and was played on the radio and is very popular today. Maybe you'll recognize this song. This was on the number one radio hit from 1967 in April and it stayed on top of the charts all summer. I'm gonna ask him to play just a little bit of it and see if you remember this song. Anybody remember? Francisco, be sure to wear some flowers in your hair. If you're going to San 
such a strange vibration all across the nation. I know some of you know that song. Have you remembered that song? I've heard it, right? Okay? Because I saw some of you going, if you're coming to San Francisco. Well, what, here's what happened. Those students came by the tens of thousands. They call it the summer of love. And they filled up San Francisco. They filled up this whole area. And all kinds of activities happened all summer. Well, guess what happened? In that song, it says, if you're coming to San Francisco, I'm sure you'll meet some gentle people there. It's a line in the song. What happened was, those students came to San Francisco, and they met some Christian people there. Here's what happened. There was a student at the Golden Gate Baptist Theological Seminary, and this is just one of the leaders of that movement spiritually that took place in 67. There were several others that were happening all at the same time. But I'm going to focus on one. He became very concerned about all these students who were coming from all over the United States. He was a Christian. And uh, he decided he would go downtown San Francisco and see them, go to the Golden State Park and see them. And it, it was just an ocean of young adults, of students. And he realized their need for the gospel, that what they needed was Jesus. So he and another student talked their little Baptist church into opening up a coffee house where they served sandwiches, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, served coffee, because a lot of these kids had nothing. They just hitchhiked to San Francisco. They didn't have any money in their pocket. They were hungry. And so they provided this little setting where people could come and find a quiet moment, have a sandwich, drink a cup of coffee. And all summer long, they ministered to these guys and gals, and they started becoming Christians. And in just a very short order, there was a powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the youth of America. Now, when the summertime faded and it started getting really cold in San Francisco, those students went home. Or they traveled in mass down to Los Angeles, where it was warmer. And uh, there was a core group of them that moved down to Orange County. And uh, they got connected with a church down there called Calvary Chapel. And all of a sudden, there was just this explosion of the Holy Spirit's outpouring on the lives of students. They started leading students to Christ like crazy. Uh, they started baptizing them by the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. And then like a wave from the Pacific Ocean, this went all the way across the United States. It took several years, from 67 probably to 75 is when it finally reached its pinnacle. And it created a revolution that historians are now calling the Jesus Revolution. It was so powerful and so impactful on culture that uh, it was on the cover of Time magazine, which may not mean anything to you, but uh, it was a big deal back in the day. Um, however many, how, how many of you ever saw that movie? Oh, what was the name of that movie? Tom Hanks played in it, and he played a guy that was not quite right. Bubba, what? what? Forrest Gump. Do you remember what Forrest Gump told his lieutenant? He said, have you found Jesus yet? That was in the setting of that. Everybody was finding Jesus. It's not whether or not you'd found him or not. Well, this was an outpouring of God's Holy Spirit that began a movement that is still going on. Did you know that? In fact, I think in some ways, even Eden Church is a direct result of what God started doing in San Francisco in 1967. And let me see if I can explain. So I mentioned my friend a moment ago that's so ill. 
he and I were living on the farm out there in the middle of nowhere. And he and I both, in the summer of 1972, which was the pinnacle of this Jesus people movement, sometimes it's called the Jesus people movement, that we came to know Christ. We gave our lives to the Lord, were baptized, and immediately began to try to get all of our other friends to know Jesus. In the very first week of our conversion, we witnessed 100 teenagers come into Christ. Isn't that amazing? And God set us on a path that we have never got off of. We're still on it. I'm on it this morning. I'm in the Jesus people business. Uh, and we have been sharing the gospel for the last 50 years. I've been preaching for 52 years. In fact, next Sunday will be the 51st, 51st, I lose time, 51st anniversary of the first sermon I preached was 50 years ago next Sunday. 51 years ago, 51 years ago. Last, last Sunday was, last year was 50th. I did the math on that. 72, 2022 20, is 23. So next Sunday will be 51 years of him preaching. And you know what? What I was preaching in the summer of 1972 is the same thing I'm preaching right now. Don't try to save yourself with the scales. Come to the cross of Jesus. And if there's any one challenge that I'd like to give you as a congregation, it's this. this. It's right there in Galatians. Do not lose heart. Stay at it. Stay at it. The work of God is not just a flashpoint. Now, there was a flashpoint to the Jesus movement. It was, hey, Ashbury. Can you believe that? Whoever thought something like that would happen there? If God can do it in Haight-Ashbury, he can do it anywhere, right? And he stirred those young people's heart on the corners of Haight-Ashbury in the summer of 67, and it just began to spread slowly, but yet in some ways fast, but it just continued, and, and it's still continuing. What God did then, he continues to do now. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So God got a hold of our lives, got a hold of my life in the summer of 1972, and I wanted to share the good news with everybody, and I have not gotten over it. What about you? Where are you at spiritually, all right? Have you come to the cross? Have you ever given up on trying to please God yourself? thinking if I just do good enough, I'll get graded on the curve and make it someday? Or have you come humbly before the cross of Calvary and said, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive my sin because what you did on the cross of Calvary paid the penalty and the debt for my sin. And today, Lord Jesus, I want to follow you the rest of my life, all right? One of the things that's characterized the so-called Jesus people movement or the Jesus revolution, in fact, there's a brand new movie on it. I think it came out in the spring, I think, or was it last year? I can't remember. And it's called The Jesus Revolution, right? It's a movie out, the story of the Jesus revolution. There, there's a couple of things that came out of that that are fantastic. One is what I will call long-lasting fruit. Okay, it wasn't just a flash in a plan at Hashbury that lasted for a summer. 51 years later, it's still going on, okay? And this is what God calls us to do, is to be obedient in the same direction for a long period of time. That's what it is. It's not like a 100-yard dash. It's a marathon. 
We just stay in it together. And one of the other things that came out of it was a tremendous movement to start churches, to become missionaries, to take the gospel to the nations. And that work now has spread literally around the world. And I want to share with you a simple way this week that you can be a part of it. Let's see. Kayla, do we have those? Okay. We've got a little gospel track here I want you to look at. How are we going to hand them out, Kayla? Okay. I think I've got enough for one per family. All right? I didn't bring enough. Well, we gave a bunch to the kids. It's a little cartoon booklet. All right? It was written by a pastor when he was like 19 years old named Greg Laurie. And in the 1970s, I passed out, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of these little tracks, and you can still get them. And it's almost corny. But I promise you this, people will read this because it's a cartoon book, and it just shares the gospel. I want you to take one of those Living Water Gospel tracks that was so very popular in the 1970s that we handed out to students everywhere. Take it and read it, but then this week, give it to somebody. Just say, hey, the pastor at our church or the preacher at our church this past Sunday asked us to read this and pass it on. I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. Read it and pass it on. And let's just see how this little living water track might impact people's souls. You just never know how the Holy Spirit could use this to begin an outpouring in someone's life. And look, the theme of this is called living waters, okay? And that's connected to the theme of my sermon this morning. Right there in the middle of it, you see a man standing, a little stick figure, and it's pouring rain. So this is what Greg Laurie, who is the pastor of the Harvest Church down in Riverside, he foresaw this as the pouring down of God's rain upon his people. And he's got that little stick figure guy going, hallelujah. He's got in the midst of the pouring rain of God, the living water. Take that, use it, give it away. And just say, Lord, there it is. I give it away. Whatever God wants to do with it, you'll be surprised how the Holy Spirit can take even something as simple as that and touch people's lives. We used little stickers, little cartoon books like this, little rinky-dink things. We didn't have social media. We didn't have the power of the internet or, or uh, the webpage or streaming or any of that kind of stuff. It was all word of mouth. And you know what? To this day, the most powerful form of communication is not Instagram, is not Facebook, is not TikTok. It's word of mouth. It's still word of mouth. They ask, I read an article the other day, they asked the Hollywood producers down there, what's the key to a big motion picture blockbuster? Is it big budget? Is it big name power? Is it uh, big advertisement? And they all agreed on the number one thing is word of mouth, word of mouth. For instance, has anyone told you to go watch the movie, it's out right now, <laughs> about child trafficking? Sound of Freedom? So how many had someone, oh, you got to go see Sound of Freedom. You got to go see Sound of Freedom. Uh, you see what I'm saying? Because it's the word of mouth. That's why it's the number one movie uh, of the year, because everyone's talking about it. So when Jesus sent his disciples out, he said, now look, we're going to use the most powerful form of communication known to this earth. That is, go and tell. Do it one-on-one, face-to-face, sharing your story with other people and letting them hear their story. And that's all I've done this morning. I I've basically this morning just briefly told you a little bit of my story, how that God got a hold of me in the midst of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that swept the nation 
in the 1960s and early 1970s. And a whole culture of people were swept into the kingdom of God. And that generation of people, now are old like me, uh, have been faithfully serving God. So you know what I'm asking God to do? Do it again. Do it again right here in San Francisco, right? If you're going to San Francisco, you're surely going to meet some Christian people there. That's us. We can be that Jesus people group today, all right? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes in a word of prayer. The scripture says, Paul said, don't grow weary in well-doing. I want to encourage the Eden Church to keep it up. Keep it up. Stay in the path. Follow, keep the plow in the field, Jesus said. I know he will bless you. I'm going to ask Pastor Daniel to come and close out our service for us. All right, well, this morning, go ahead and keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. Uh, kind of like we do every Sunday, we, we want to give people a chance to perhaps step into faith for the first time if, if that's where you're at in this season. And maybe you, you've come here this morning and uh, there was a point in the message that connected with you where you sensed a prompting from the Spirit in your life to take that step next to cross, cross the finish line of faith. We want to give you a chance to do that. And, uh, and you can just pray a simple prayer after me. And uh, we say it's nothing special about the words, but it's whether or not these words reflect the desire of your heart. So you can pray this prayer after me if you really take that step. Dear God, we love you so much, and we are so thankful for your love. I am so thankful for your love. I'm thankful that you loved me even when I didn't know you were there. I'm thankful for your love when I didn't want anything to do with you. And this morning, I recognize my need for you. I recognize that I'm in need of a savior and I'm ready to trust you. I'm ready to trust that you love me enough to send your son on the cross to die for my sins, to carry a weight that I could not bear myself. And so today, I wanna step into faith for the first time. I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Let me just pray a blessing over you. Father, we just thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to experience your goodness and your grace in our life. And I thank you for a community of people, Lord, who are living in the Bay Area, trying to make sense of how to follow you faithfully one day at a time. And so, God, we just ask that you would be with us, that as your spirit is working in this place, we would be open to the work that it wants to do inside of us. And so, God, I pray as this next song goes that this would be a time for us to do some deep work in our hearts and allow for you to do, to do only what you can do in our lives. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.